This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? This week, we're discussing Cobra Kai. Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your kick-ass host, Javi. I <laughs> drank Coors Banquets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is it. This is the end of our Karate Kid uh, review series. We are finally here. And this is really the first time ever that we're reviewing a television series uh, and not a movie. So, Yeah, definitely. It's, it's different. I know in a previous life when we did our old wrestling podcast, we did do a episode where we talked about glow the also another netflix series Mm -hmm. uh gorgeous ladies of wrestling and you know funny enough i think glow our review of glow was kind of what made us shift gears from a wrestling podcast to a movie and like series podcast yes it's unfortunate that we have basically lost the episode of uh glow to time and space now (laughs) you serious really uh i don't know that i still have a copy of that episode i might Uh, i might somewhere but uh that would be fun to like put on like to release (laughs) because we were little piss babies that didn't know what we were doing like and i think at least from because what that was like two years ago now this was 2018 that we did that oh my god yeah right Uh, i'd like to think we're better now than we were 2018 Yeah, uh, we actually started podcasting in 2018. We just didn't start this movie podcast until 2019. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, so here we are. We're talking about Cobra Kai. It is the basically where the Karate Kid franchise is now. You know, um, it picks up two decades plus after the next Karate Kid, which was the last movie that we watched in this canon, except uh oh. You know, it's supposed to be like what nineteen years? No, you're right. I think it's like twenty one years or some stuff. After yeah, that. yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so uh, you know, long gone is uh, Pat Morita, Mr. Miyagi. I was excited for this series just because I was a fan of the Karate Kid. So this, the way that this series started was that initially, it was supposed to be the kind of flagship series for YouTube stream like television streaming platform right you know Way like the- back in the year of 2016 <laughs> 16 there used to be another streaming 2018 you know what i mean <laughs> the point is that the well no i thought youtube premium started way before that yeah it did but, YouTube, but original content yeah, yeah. YouTube's- like they were trying to youtube branded content and cobra kai was going to be this mini series and like you said it was going to be the flagship there was another show called wayne there was uh, a couple YouTubers got their own shows that unfortunately never really panned out. But yeah, Cobra Kai was the one that made it. I think Cobra Kai and Wayne, as far as I know, are the only two series that survived the YouTube premium like purge, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And the creators of this series and the producers of this series are fans of the Karate Kid. 
You know, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, of course, you know, the, the property, the IP was bought up. So someone was going to make a, a series out of it. But much like when we talk about something like, you know, Colin Trevorrow and Jurassic World and, uh, you know, Danny McBride, you know, writing Halloween 2018. We are like super in the age where the people who are creating movies now are fans of the properties. Uh, you know, we grew up fans of the properties that they're now making movies for. So despite the fact that we're living in a world where, ev- where nothing is original and everyone is pumping out like, you know, new <laughs> uh, installments of these old television shows and series and movie series from decades past, it's people that have a real care for the properties that they're bringing back. And Will Smith is still a producer on this show. That really, I wonder if he's just like, uh, like gets credit in the name since he, you know, ha- is like a partial owner of the property. Yeah, you know, he, that's that's essentially it. He he gets credit because he owns the rights to the Karate Kid franchise because he's a part owner of the rights. But uh, on his Instagram page, he you know he always he he made a big uh, post when the series was coming to Netflix and the new season was coming out. So. He definitely pushes the series. Do I get my dream of Endgame Karate <laughs> for season four? <laughs> but, but all right. So we can we can kind of go through what the. Well, one thing I, I want to talk about the premise of the show. Right mm-hmm. now, it's a really interesting premise because the entire series of the Karate Kid, whether it's one through three, has always been the lens of of ralph macchio's character uh daniel russo so that he was the focus he was the main character um and he was our protagonist i wouldn't call him a hero because um you know there were some times where he's kind of a dickhead in the in the series i mean in the in the in the movie series but you know for the first time we get to follow uh you know our protagonist isn't necessarily the good guy from the first movie you know our our protagonist is johnny lawrence He's the villain of the original movie, you know? Well, the most interesting thing to me is that this, I feel like this series was willed into existence thanks to the one video we all saw, which was how Daniel LaRusso was the actual villain of the Karate Kid. What? (laughs) Have you seen that video? No. You, are you, way to make me a liar, because I'm sure everyone, I, I could have sworn everyone had seen it by, by now. No, I mean, I've heard the arguments of people post the series coming out talking about who's the real villain here. Well, no, like, there was a, there was a dude, I think it was like 2015, 2016, he put out a video talking about how Johnny Lawrence was actually the victim of Daniel LaRusso being the actual bully. Like, it's actually really funny. I think it was like a funnier died, like, sketch or uh, scatters or something. Kind of like how uh, Zach Morris's trash is a thing. <laughs> Which, funny enough, if we if if we're gonna talk about this, I would say as a quick aside, like uh, the guy who who uh, created Zach Morris's trash is actually now a writer on the Saved by the Bell reboot. He is one of the creative forces behind the reboot series, and they really have gone all in with the fact that you know. Zach is it's is kind of a villain in his own right. Uh, is he trying to make up for how much of a shit lord he was back in high school? Okay, 
<laughs> for people who don't want to have at least the first episode of the Saved by the Bell reboot series uh, spoiled for them, please, this is a spoiler alert for that series. Uh, skip ahead a couple minutes. Yeah, you know, go make yourself a coffee <laughs> or something. Come back. All right. So Zach Morris is actually the governor of California in that series. What? And he, <laughs> basically, he does something really because it's going to make him his campaign look good but actually ends up fucking the school system in los angeles (laughs) so because of the stuff that he's put into motion zach's way of getting out of this like political shitstorm that he's in is the school you know the 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 low-income rough side of town school where all the you know black and brown kids are that school gets basically becomes a victim of budget cuts and and essentially has to close down. So Zach's way of getting out of it is he, those kids who were at that school now end up having to transfer over to Bayside, and Bayside becomes this melting pot of like two different kinds of town, uh, you know, two different sides of towns and the haves and the have-nots, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so it's like you know, it's that kind of stuff. This sounds like the plot to uh, that one season of Friday Night Lights. Where East Dillon and West Dillon became one super Dillon high school. It's it's very much like that. And, and for and you know for people who are fans of Saved by the Bell, I recommend that reboot series as well. It's actually really good and it's really funny. So anyway, back to Cobra Kai because that's what we're here to discuss. <laughs> um, this movie, I mean, this series, much like much like that Saved by the Bell series, and like as you said, stuff like Friday Night Lights. It's just. It's funny to see, you know, the schools that Daniel was going to and like all the kids that are that that he was around and, you know, him growing up in the apartments and all that kind of stuff. Like Daniel has, for all intents and purposes, become the villain now because he's he is now the rich person. One hundred (laughs) percent. The kids who, you know, those kids who had all the cars and all the money, you know, who was Johnny and his friends from Cobra Kai. That's Daniel's kids now Mm -hmm. they are those kids their friends are those kids and all of a sudden you know you find out you know the series i love how it unfolds you know Mm -hmm. because you have these preconceived notions about johnny and what he was like and what he wasn't like well we've talked about it in terms of the karate kid franchise villains you know johnny is the most non-villain character out of all of them (laughs) <laughs> he didn't he never, yeah he never challenged daniel to like um agni kai essentially <laughs> he never once like threatened to challenge him to mortal combat he wasn't the bad boy karate that was paid by terry silver to essentially murder uh daniel LaRusso. he was really just a rival and it's like yeah he was a villain of the movie and he was a bully he was yeah, very he was, much a bully he was not he wasn't necessarily like a bad guy and i think what's really cool about this series is it expands more on the character yes and we get to see that backstory of uh johnny lawrence and then we also realize that he is you know he's a pretty sympathetic character mm-hmm. well when the tournament was over in karate kid one johnny was not mad at daniel anymore he said congratulations larusso you're all right and all that kind of stuff like that's you know that was kind of like he's not so much a villain anymore. Crease was the real villain, you find mm-hmm. out later in the series. You mean you know? Johnny? I mean, Johnny was never the one that faked his death twice, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but anyway, um, 
yeah, so you find out that Johnny was rich in Karate Kid because he had an evil rich stepfather who gave him mm-hmm. all the money and basically turned him into a mini douchebag. We also learned that uh, essentially Johnny was one of those guys that unfortunately peaked in high school, which was <laughs> a very common of people in that era, you know, the 80s going in the 90s. Yeah, I'm coming after you, Gen X, you fucker. <laughs> But, you know, like he was one of those guys that the, the years had not been kind to, to to Johnny. What we later learn is that he got super hardcore into the partying and the boozing and, um, you know, kind of pretty much how I like to live my lifestyle or pretend to live my lifestyle. <laughs> Johnny was the guy that actually lived his lifestyle. And now he's become kind of like this lovable, well, uh, actually not the beginning of the series. He's like this huge scumbag character. <laughs> But personally, I do love a redemptive arc of scumbags. That's like one of those tropes that I love from uh, movies. So right off the bat, I'm like, I'm enjoying this, being able to see this scumbag turn into someone that we actually care about. Well, besides that, this what the reason why I think this series connects and specifically the first season of this show is so dynamite. Like we rewatched the series you know, leading into this episode, even though we've seen the series at it as it came out. And I hadn't seen season one of this show since 2018. So rewatching it again in the last week, that first season is spectacular. And I think besides just, okay, yes, he's Johnny Lawrence. He's the Cobra Kai, you know, leader from uh, Karate Kid. Yes, he's, you know, this series is kind of a redemption story for him. But the other thing is, you know, I think when you <laughs> when you kind of singled out Gen X, I think it's what's what's interesting about this series is that it really is like you're taking a guy out of an 80s time machine. You know, he's he's <laughs> middle aged now. He yeah. never really cared to, to, to learn anything about getting a laptop or whatever. And you know, he is this alpha male, like super jockey kind of adult, but you put him into a modern setting now and you find out just how not glamorous <laughs> what like, so, you know, what people thought was like being the really cool character back in 1984 was it's not the same in 2018, you know, like, I mean, no. nerd culture has penetrated popular culture to such an extent now that you know kids who are jocks very much are into anime are into video games are into comic books um you know there's there's less there's less uh you know i mean homophobia and you know bullying and racism and all that kind of stuff exists but in terms of just like in general like i feel like you know kids are now more they're they're less into you know all these issues of you know gender orientation like they're, they're they're more accepting of differences now than in generations past right no, and that doesn't mean yeah. that doesn't mean anything is perfect it doesn't mean that everyone is you know that everyone is friends with each other it's just it's a different time now you know when, and like the kids nowadays well especially under the lens of 2018 when the when the when the show premieres right Mm-hmm. um yeah like it, it's it's definitely about handling that culture shock about how how the the teenage characters are just so different like they just have this this idea of like acceptance and they have this idea of kind of what their idea of what masculinity is supposed to be 
And what we immediately find out is it's already like immediately at odds with everything that that Johnny was about. Because Johnny and I know we I love I know we've used this term before, like the whole idea of prolonged adolescence. Because essentially what he is is he's just one of those guys that didn't grow up past seventeen years old. Like he's just one of those guys that had a prolonged adolescence, which went on for like thirty five years. <laughs> and now and yet now he's kind of learning that it's like uh unfortunately what he thought could fly way back when isn't flying anymore so it's cool we get to see his uh his redemptive arc like we said earlier but you know the cool the cooler thing especially in this first season is seeing that how that comes about and the big driving force about that is the relationship he starts developing once he decides he wants to start cobra kai again you know? And he does that by taking in under his wing the character of Miguel Diaz, who's his oh. neighbor at the apartment building that he's in. I and... love Miguel and Johnny together. <laughs> <laughs> for, again, for all intents and purposes, Miguel is the karate kid now, right? Like yes. it, it's he's on the side of Cobra Kai, but he is, you know, he, he is, you know, being beaten up by the bullies. He is essentially the Daniel Russo character now, and I think you know whether Johnny wants to admit it or not. You know, helping Miguel out is almost like him making good on all the bad things that he did when he was younger. You know, he has a very estranged relationship with his son, who's also in this series, Robbie. He has an estranged relationship with his son's mother. Um, he's practically pushed everyone away from him who he would have cared about he's a raging alcoholic and then all of a sudden it's just like you know without wanting to this kid like ends up needing help from him he helped him out by you know essentially playing the Miyagi role by beating up <laughs> beating up a bunch of bullies who were trying to attack him outside of a liquor store and once he saves him from this this kid is like you know bugging him to teach him karate and you know he is the driving force to get johnny to realize that you know he wants to reopen cobra kai now mm -hmm. and what's awesome about the series besides the relationship between them because i mean the relationship between them is the anchor of the of the series mm -hmm. i don't think we've had such a enjoyable sensei uh you know pupil relationship since daniel and mr miyagi from karate kid one mm-hmm because much like in that movie, both of these characters are mutually benefiting from being around each other. And that's what's happening between Johnny and Miguel in this series. And it's it's just really uh and it's really cool because it's like they start getting closer. They have that um you know, they have those moments where it's like they like especially uh especially Johnny, how he's constantly razzing Miguel. <laughs> He's always calling him a nerd and a pussy, and or he's always like using this really gendered language. And I love that that scene where it's like, um, where Miguel's like, "Oh, why does all your language have to be gendered, Sensei?" And he's like, "What?" And he's like, and Miguel's like, "Yeah, my therapist says that sometimes we have weird obsessions when we gender all our language on purpose." And he goes, "Shut up about your therapist. We're not talking about your therapist right now." <laughs> it's like it's always like how they're like they're they're inadvertently helping each other like you said inadvertently helping each other become better people whether it's miguel uh teaching danny or uh, danny uh 
<laughs> teaching Johnny to be more like open-minded, especially when it comes to like, especially in this first season, when it comes to recruiting and getting Cobra Kai started. And then meanwhile, Miguel is benefiting from the relationship because he's becoming more confident and he's just becoming more of a badass. He's becoming stronger. Um, and I love the fact that it's progressively better. It's not like, you know, because they know they have 10 episodes to do it in that first season to make Miguel the essentially the karate kid. We see every episode he gets a little bit better. We see a little bit stronger or we see him get a little bit stronger. And what I love about that is it makes you more invested in him as a character, you know? Like, I think that first season strikes the perfect balance between caring about the adult characters, your Daniel LaRusso and your John Lawrence, while still focusing on Miguel and his friends, you know, because his friends, like, his friends are still dealing with being bullied. Um, he's still trying to build Cobra Kai, and he himself is also trying to, trying to go through this uh, journey of becoming more confident in the better version of himself. The other thing that I thought was pretty interesting about this too is okay, so the first couple episodes, Daniel's not really a front and center character in it, right? Mm-hmm. Once we start seeing him, he's kind of a peripheral character who you're watching the LaRusso automotive commercials where he's kicking the competition, crane so kicking cheesy. the competition. Such cheesy 80s bullshit. <laughs> and he is, you know. See, he gives people bonsai trees when he sells them vehicles and stuff like that. And you're like, you know, you find out that that Daniel has parlayed this All Valley Karate Tournament win into a highly successful business <laughs> to where now he owns, you know, he owns the auto business. He has his big old house in the valley. He's got all this money. His kids are spoiled, you know, rich kids now. Uh, they go to country clubs, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. everything he, he basically wanted in the eighties without really saying it right. Like obviously he saw the other kids and was kind of jealous of them. His mom was the one who takes him on the alley date in the movie and they have to end up pushing his car. So, you know, oh he's, my God, yes. he's come a long way from that, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it's like, I, I thought he was going to be a side character and I really didn't know how much of a main character of the show he was going to be until later uh, mm-hmm. after a few episodes uh, the other thing i really like about this series and this season is okay cobra kai you know you get the references to karate kid uh when uh miguel has his halloween dance <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. you know he he's he's he wants a deadpool costume but you know his family can't really afford it and uh, the costume that he ends up looking like he might take to the dance is like some monstro- homemade monstrosity that his grandmother knitted for him, which, you know, Hispanic grandmothers, it's like they're clutch and they're awesome and they do a lot of things. But that was an embarrassing looking costume. <laughs> and I do yeah. like that when Johnny was like, all right, you should just, you know, I got an idea for what you can wear. And he puts him in the skeleton, co- in the Cobra Kai skeleton costumes from Karate Kid and stuff like that. Like that is gold callbacks to the series, except like now it's like, you know, it's the good, he's the good guy in the series who's wearing it. It's not the bullies anymore. The kids who are bullying him, you know, are, what is that kid? Uh, the, the, the main kid who's bullying him in the first season. Oh man. Um, <laughs> crap. What, hold on. Wait. His name was, oh, it's like it was a some... really douchey name. Oh God. 
it was such a uh kyler there we go oh god <laughs> yeah. the name was kyler <laughs> <laughs> yeah kyler is the you know main antagonist for miguel and you know tries to he's, he's the guy who who johnny saves you know miguel from getting beat up by mm-hmm. uh they beat him up again at the dance and you know all that kind of stuff miguel ends up making friends with uh two kids eli and what is our other friend's name goodness goodness uh dimitri yes no, wait. Dimitri, yeah, dimitri. Yeah. Uh-huh. dimitri and eli who you know at some point both kind of end up joining cobra kai to some extent yeah uh dimitri doesn't really stay but the cool development yeah. but, but the cool development in in that season is <laughs> after miguel is seen in school defending himself you know successfully against all the bullies using the karate that johnny lawrence has taught him that's what it takes to finally get people to start coming to cobra kai right you know and we and, and the funny thing is we talked about like how in modern times you can't really make your bones like just owning a karate studio no you can <laughs> um but you know it's like johnny is teaching karate to rich kids so i'm sure pretty sure he can charge them whatever he wants outside of miguel uh yeah they they make that known right away when uh I believe it was Aisha. Aisha was the second student to join Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go out of their way to name drop uh, who I'm assuming was a fictional, like, yes. San Diego Charger player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, clearly he's, you know, if, she, if they're loaded, they're willing to pay whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, yeah, of course, they're country, co- they're, for the most part, they're crunch- country club kids. Jesus, I couldn't talk. Uh, so yeah, they had zero problem paying, right? Uh, one thing I did want to mention about that that cafeteria fight scene and all, all the fight scenes in this film or in this series, that's very well choreographed. I think that, and you know, that's a that's a real uh, credit to the stunt team as well as the actors because mm-hmm. you know, like they're they're it looks like some, you know the kids are kind of involved in their own stunts for a lot of the a lot of the film. Or I mean the film. I'm gonna keep saying that, <laughs> but for a lot of the series, it looks like a lot of them are doing their own stunts, or at least they're doing a, as much of their own work as they're able to. Clearly, course, they're training as part yeah. of like the you know this production. Oh, 100. Like they're doing as much as they can themselves, from what it looks like, and it just goes to show you, man. Like they are when you when you believe in a project and you put your all into it, it definitely shows off. Or I mean, it, it shows up. I mean. And it was, yeah, because a lot of these fight scenes are very well done. Okay, well, the fact that you get, okay, when you get the kids right, the new kids right, to the extent that you get these kids right, eventually you have a series that's both cool for the adults who remember the original property, and then it becomes really its own thing. And mm-hmm. I think, to be honest, I think that this mo- that this series does more effectively and perfects what the next karate kid wanted to do oh yes <laughs> you know much and much better <laughs> and a because they have just a much longer like canvas to work with right mm-hmm. but the other one really is you get all the people back which is what next karate kid didn't have it had miyagi but you know he wasn't really the star of that series Mm-mm. you know it, it, it was daniel and you did feel like you were missing something when daniel was no longer here 
Uh, I didn't realize how important Johnny Lawrence was to this story until I find this series and and you find a character that that he can play off of and like as you said make him someone who is worth you know following. Mm-hmm. Um, the other kids that we meet in Cobra Kai like Eli, who is a kid who's got you know like a cleft lip and mm-hmm. has had obviously some facial reconstruction surgery, who gets teased over the way he looks. You know, he ends up joining Cobra Kai and maybe not in the most appropriate way. Johnny basically insults him for his, you know, (laughs) for his facial difference. And uh, to the point where he just says, he's like, look, he's like, you don't want kids to call you lip, which only Johnny calls him that. (laughs) It's like Johnny never grew up from being a bully. And I love that that's something he he struggles with the entire series. One of my favorite gags in see in season three is when he confronts like the kids from the other dojo, and when he tells them to come train with him, he like as he walks away, there's like a kid carrying like his books. <laughs> he smacks the books out of the kids <laughs> after calling the upper other group of kids pussies, and then he's like, "Yeah, all right, I'll see you later, pussies." Smacks the kid the books out of the kid's hand, and he goes, "Sorry, kid, force of habit." <laughs> i'm just like dude you're supposed to be almost 50 (laughs) well it's funny because okay so what what this series does is it it makes a lot of the rivalry or reignited rivalry between daniel and johnny you know it 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 comes through a series of misunderstandings in the series right oh that was the most annoying thing of the first (laughs) i mean it it happens more it happens less as the series progresses, but that was the most annoying thing to deal with in that first season. The only reason it didn't bother me as much is because a lot of it did involve the kids, like the kids having the misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. Like like when Robbie, for example, Robbie, Johnny's son, sees um, Johnny having a heart-to-heart moment with uh, Miguel where he gives him his old like training gi and robbie instead of going to talk to his dad assumes that johnny's replaced robbie with miguel now so he's like screw this i'm leaving and that's kind of what fuels <laughs> the the fuels the rivalry between daniel and johnny even more now because now his son is going to live with the larusos at one point like yeah or like the early episode where johnny's car is totaled by uh you know daniel's daughter samantha and her friends and you know it's like daniel and his wife are not even aware amanda who is an awesome new character in this series yes, by the way i love amanda i think she's fantastic <laughs> amanda is basically she is just like okay so this series it's like you do have to suspend disbelief you have to believe that all of these characters still live in the same place that they lived in growing up right you have to believe that yeah. that the valley is essentially a really small you know magic land where all these people who grew up around each other in the 1980s will keep running into each other every single day you know like if it's like a small town in the midwest somewhere right and you just have to kind of accept that and what's kind of nice about the character of Amanda LaRusso is that she's there to call attention to a just kind of how weird it is that we're watching a series of warring karate dojos, but also the fact that it's weird that we're watching a series of like two middle aged men who <laughs> are actually reigniting a teenage feud 
and I it, it just the way she talks about it <laughs> you know like the way she talked about both of them doesn't take any of their fights that they're about to have seriously like you know when Johnny she shows thinks, up to fight Daniel at his house in season she one takes the piss out of everything <laughs> like I love when they invite him to brunch and because like he goes and he tries to confront Daniel in the backyard right mm-hmm. and then she goes hey how about you guys come inside and eat like actual adults <laughs> or like you know later when you finally get to season three and we do get shockingly and excitingly we get the return of elizabeth Sue as Allie mills mm-hmm. uh there is a scene where ali johnny Daniel and Amanda are all like sitting at a table together <laughs> and Amanda just starts you know she goes oh did the man did, did the man children let you know already about their about their warring karate dojos <laughs> like she oversimplifies she oversimplifies everything to the point it makes the entire series sound stupid and I love it well yeah because the series is stupid right like yep. and and the thing is like this isn't going to work if it's going to take itself too seriously, mm-hmm. right? It, it's it's the mistake that, you know, these death matches from Karate Kid 2 <laughs> and 3, you know, and the next Karate Kid, it's the mistake that all of those movies have made, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that we're taking this just too seriously. And it's funny that we say that because both seasons after this one, literally have the most serious fights i think of the entire karate kid series yes yes they do (laughs) because this is the only season season one is the only season that actually has the tournament tournament. like it's the only time that we actually go back to the all valley and that's kind of like the goal of uh of season one is to kind of establish the karate dojos again um Daniel's bringing back Miyagi-Do. He starts training people because he thinks Johnny is trying to teach kids karate. Evil, evil yeah. karate. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. He's just trying to teach kids evil crease karate. <laughs> and Johnny the entire season is trying to tell him I'm not trying to be like crease but I am trying to teach these kids to be badasses. Like that's the big, his big thing, right? Well, and the thing, and the thing that Daniel should be aware of, but you know, he isn't because of his blind anger for Johnny <laughs> is the fact that, you know, despite the fact that crease came back and tried to get his revenge on Daniel, Johnny never did, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, crease and Terry silver hire Mike Barnes. They never bring back Johnny Lawrence. And Johnny Lawrence has, you know, that thing where Kreese literally tried murdering him in the parking lot in, at the beginning of part two by choking him out. <laughs> so Johnny wouldn't want anything to do with Kreese. So mm-hmm. I don't know, just the fact that that Johnny has decided that, you know, that Daniel's decided that, you know, Cobra Kai is still evil and is teaching evil karate and must be stopped is just like, you know, it feels like an excuse for Daniel to put on the old jersey and uh you know relive his al bundy high school football moments here he totally does in season one he gets johnny's raised or rent hiked up he bad mouths him he does all kinds of crazy shit to try to like get him uh, you know run him out of business which daniel larusso wanting to raise the rent for everyone who's in this strip mall that uh johnny is teaching karate out of including the you know liquor stores that are run by people of color it's like 
how how could you like this guy? You it's couldn't possibly one, yeah. root for this guy. And I love that Amanda is there to point out. Like I love the I love her character because she's always there to point out and like make sure Daniel doesn't fucking go over the cliff. Mm-hmm. And she's always pointing out how stu- how much of a big stupid idiot he is. Like she even mentions that she goes, uh, "Okay, you want to run Johnny out of business? What about all the other businesses that are in that strip mall? Did you even think about them?" Mm-hmm. And of course, Daniel's like, "Ooh." <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking moron like of course he didn't think about it Absolutely. but like because he's so focused on on his hate for johnny um he just wants to beat him right um before we get to the end of for the first season i do want to talk about uh robbie because robbie robbie uh johnny's son mm-hmm. because he ends up becoming um daniel LaRusso's like protege and he ends up teaching him Miyagi-Do karate um, after a series of events uh, where this Jonathan Taylor Thomas looking kid comes <laughs> up with this overly complicated plot so he can drop out of high school <laughs> and then fake being and, you know, faking credentials in a resume so that he can join the LaRusso auto group company just to stick it to johnny like that's the only thing and honestly he's a teenage character like that doesn't bother me like it makes sense um but yeah they like (laughs) it's weird how they try to make him like this real rascally type of criminal but then like i think you use the term disney channel criminal and i was like yeah you're right they try to make him seem like a little rascal but they also introduce him by saying he was selling Molly at school. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know. I think it's just he looks like such a fresh faced 90s kid, especially with his haircut in that first season. I'm like, oh, I'm like, this kid's goofy. Yeah. And the other, the other kid character, uh, younger character in this, as well as Samantha LaRusso, Daniel's yes. daughter, who in the beginning of the season is, you know, kind of falling in with like, the wrong crowd of these rich girls who are just like really mean to everyone have essentially estranged her you know caused her to be estranged from her best friend growing up who is Aisha who ends up becoming a student at Cobra Kai later simply because you know all the kids have bullied her at school over her weight and her way to get back at them is to be able to figure out how to defend herself especially you know when kids have got have have just like turned to cyberbullying her you know she's the character who we're dealing with you know the fact that you know talking about how people have told her to kill herself and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and it's 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 really cool i mean it's interesting that we're getting into some of this stuff because again cyberbullying is real taking pictures of kids online and and you know uploading them in the way that is will embarrass them and, and and encouraging suicide is unfortunately things that people are doing in real life now and you know i and i love the i love when she talks about it at the at the gym when she talks about it at the dojo because it's like everyone like feels for her, including johnny and it's mm-hmm. like johnny this is the type of kid johnny would have picked on back in the 80s mm-hmm. like his entire dojo is a bunch of kids that he would have picked on in the 80s so it's really it's really cool to see that it's like as he trains these kids and as he you know as they try to go through this mission where they want to become you know better versions of themselves johnny legitimately cares about him like i i love the fact that he tells aisha like 
she goes, man, like, do they really be, are they really telling you that on the internet? And she's like, yeah, but, you know, she just kind of like tries mm-hmm. to brush it off. And he goes, no, that that's what cowards do. He goes, you got to be a badass and go punch him in the face. <laughs> like, obviously, an adult wouldn't tell a kid, go fight your bully. But I mean, he, you know, he actually show he shows his concern and his caring for the kids and in his own way exactly in the johnny lawrence way you know and the funny thing is normally when when you do this with a character this uber you know macho white male character this never works for me when when people try to do this in movies and have that character be kind of like you know the odd couple like you know along with someone who's got all these more progressive like modern ideas and stuff like that it feels false right like i mean it feels like it feels more like they're trying to tell you yeah why aren't kids you know more like they used to be like why aren't things the way more like they used to be and it's just like mm-hmm. and i don't feel like this series does that this series no. just says look this is who johnny lawrence is this is what kids can learn from him yeah we're also going to call out all the things that he does that's problematic and funny and- enough this series in season two will even call out you know something of daniel's as well so uh but before that we'll we'll get into the end of this season uh of course valley tournament baby yeah (laughs) so robbie you know enters the all valley tour after he has a falling out with both johnny and daniel Mm -hmm. uh you know robbie ends up (laughs) joining the all valley tournament as an un what is it unaffiliated fighter um miguel miguel shows up You're telling me I can go to uh, like any martial arts tournament and say I'm unaffiliated and proceed to kick people's asses? Well, Daniel's essentially unaffiliated in the Karate Kid. I mean, yeah, because they, they don't. Like, Biagi No isn't an official gym. Yeah, right. It doesn't even exist. And even in the newspaper clippings that they show in the series, it's like mystery gym. Kid from like you know single student from Karate Dojo wins you know the All Valley tournament, and uh, you know, and the reason why Daniel's there because he's Robbie and he you know do end up having a falling out but the reason why Daniel's even there is because he and his wife now fund the All Valley Karate Tournament and you know there we get the awesome you know montage tournament scene where Miguel, Hawk, Aisha and all the other Cobra Kai kids are have entered they're all gotten out to various stages in the tournament and miguel is there and in the final against robbie oh my god when miguel crane kicks the kid like as a huge (laughs) fuck you to to daniel larusso Mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's important to point out that you know we didn't really go into it but there is obviously a lot of teen storylines in this film Mm -hmm. i mean in the show right the relationship between miguel and samantha which which is a relationship that starts and I remember it being longer than it actually is. They have the one Daniel Alley date at the arcade, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of brings you back to that. But very quickly after that, it seems like they start to grow apart. There's a, a series of misunderstandings between them. Mm-hmm. And not <laughs> and to then, mention that a lot of the Cobra Kai kids end up adopting a lot more of the tr- like the old Cobra Kai mentality. Mm-hmm. Not exactly the one Johnny is trying to trying to put, you know um in part on them mm-hmm. like a lot of the kids be, start becoming uber aggressive not exactly bullies yet but they are becoming very aggro and they're the ones that are kind of like starting to 
they're 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 getting chippy i think is the best way to put it right and miguel does think that you know samantha is is gonna leave him because she's now falling for robbie which doesn't seem to be the case in this series but once you know they they they're all drunk at the beat at some sort of beach party and you know miguel gets uh ultra aggressive and shoves samantha which you know it's you shouldn't do ever <laughs> um, oh really <laughs> i was gonna go around shoving every girl I <laughs> uh but that that causes them to essentially break up and then that that's the trigger that ends up turning miguel into the evil miguel <laughs> well he turns him into bad boy mike barnes right <laughs> the dark miguel <laughs> yeah um and then the second season, you know, once that once he ends up beating Robbie and winning the the All Valley tournament, um, that's yeah. when we get the end of season one, which is Johnny at the dojo, and then we have the mysterious reappearance of Crease. Yep. And right off the bat, like going into season two, Cobra Kai is like uber popular. All these kids want to join. It becomes this huge deal, but what we end up seeing is Johnny. Johnny, like after seeing how these kids uh, fought in the All Valley, like not just because that they hurt Robbie, or because that's actually how Miguel wins, is that um, when Hawk tra- when Hawk uh, f- fights uh, Robbie to go to the uh, to the finals, he ends up injuring Robbie uh after a point which ends up getting Hawk disqualified and Robbie uh, getting his uh shoulder messed up and the way Miguel wins is that he later continues to target that shoulder over and over again um because again these kids have developed the mentality of winning by any means necessary including cheating but what I love is the development of Johnny is you know after he sees what he taught these kids and kind of how it, you know, like how it's changed them. And he sees how it, like, obviously they hurt Robbie, his son, but also to kind of see these kids, like, take the wrong lessons he was trying to impart, he immediately tries to backtrack it and do better, right? And, like, the first season, like, the first part of this season, of season two, specifically, is a lot of, like, Miguel and and Johnny uh, being at odds with each other because it's, like, Johnny keeps trying to tell him or you know miguel keeps confronting johnny about how we're just doing what you taught us you taught us to win and why are you mad about it meanwhile johnny's trying to show them that yeah like winning is important but winning the right way is even more important but the problem is that you know johnny's also kind of questioning his own philosophy at this point Especially now that the with the return of you know Lex Luthor, <laughs> and you know this second season to me it, it I have to admit it it is the weakest season of the series for me. Really, it is. It, it, it's it's the quality of the production gets higher, obviously, because now people know that it's a show that's successful. Uh, that can be successful as well. Uh, this in this series is the last series on YouTube, but mm-hmm. you know, again, we've seen the Crease Revenge story, which is what I thought Karate Kid was, right? Yep. And it's like this one; it's like they want to rehash a lot of that again. 
it reduces Johnny to more of a side villain character to me. And it takes away a lot of what I liked from season one, which is the relationship between Miguel and Johnny. It just, it, it felt like such a good relationship for both of them that it's like now all of a sudden that you're going to drop that in favor of all these other things. It's just kind of like, I don't know. I don't like it. I think it's interesting that they that they turn Cobra Kai more into the evil dojo again. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's essentially the driving force of this second season is now, <laughs> I'll put it this way, it's warring karate dojo street gangs <laughs> because, you know, the kids who leave Cobra Kai because, you know, what Kreese is doing is now, you know, some kids, they're, they're seeing how toxic the environment is becoming at Cobra Kai they end up jumping over to become Daniel students at uh, Miyagi-Do and it turns into a you know it, it just a rivalry between two factions now as opposed mm-hmm. to the first season which was reigniting the Johnny Daniel uh, rivalry uh, showing you know the Miguel Robbie budding rivalry and now it's like in the second season, you get the Tori Samantha girl budding rivalry, and mm-hmm. Hawk and Dimitri, and like all the kids, like every kid has their like their foil, like their from foil the other- from the other yeah. side, <laughs> and it's including just- the tiny kids. Like you right. have the, you have the little Asian kid, and then the little white kid, <laughs> right? <laughs> and right. it's funny because both of them are like the ones that say the most fucked up shit to each other too. Oh, they are the most. Yeah, they are out of. <laughs> pocket to each other <laughs> yeah like That's i think i think in season, I, I think in season three one of them goes if you died i wouldn't go to your funeral <laughs> i was like jesus all right <laughs> they're such assholes um I, all right and what i i think i said this while we were watching the series I've, i haven't said this on the podcast but all right the character of hawk while i like him a lot um <laughs> he essentially turns into a perspective film uh school shooter in the second and third seasons with like how just unapologetically evil he's becoming it's like he because if he starts to feel more incel as the series goes along and you know it's really weird you know like i like his character less um i mean but that's the thing i feel like you need to have this season though you, you do need to make you everyone do. unlikable like you need to you need that that thing you need um some catalyst to make change in the in the show yeah because otherwise otherwise it's just going to become every season is leading up to the all valley and that would be boring right sure and but, i and i get it but what i mean i i don't mean that i hate this season and yeah. i don't think the season should exist i'm just saying that <laughs> sorry the, that's how i took it <laughs> i'm saying that of the three seasons of this show that we have seen leading into to this episode of this show i just don't think it's the strongest i think it's the weakest i get that why it needs to be made and mm-hmm. i understand that what it does ultimately Okay, if I have to rank these in order, and I'll do it at the end of the show, but but I get this it. This, this a, needs yeah. to happen. This season needs to happen, right? Um, and and the funny thing is, like, I feel like this season is is a lot quicker to to get through and talk about than the first one. Really, just because you know it is that simple. It's like now that we've introduced all the players, this season is all about like raising the stakes, and it's that's what raising, happens. 
it's about raising the stakes and developing each character. Like, I feel like, especially Johnny, like, this is Johnny's, if we're talking about the hero's journey for Johnny Lawrence, this is leading him to his rock bottom. And sure, but I would argue that the end of Karate Kid 1 led him to his rock bottom. Well, he, and... here's the thing about Johnny Lawrence. He has like 70 rock bottoms. <laughs> yeah. He goes through like three in this series alone. <laughs> but the thing is like he and that's what makes it interesting for me. Like I like this season because of the development of Johnny's character. Like I know you and I talked about how we really liked that first season because it focused so much on the relationship of of Johnny and Miguel and it was something familiar and it was something we liked. But now we get to see like what happens when things don't go right necessarily? What happens when things don't go as planned for Johnny Lawrence? Like, yeah, he, he was on the come up and things were going good for him for a little bit. But now it's like, well, now John Kreese is throwing a monkey wrench in his plans. And his relationship with his kid is starting to get strained or it has been strained, but it's becoming worse. And now his surrogate son, that is Miguel, is now his protege is starting to kind of lose faith in him. Mm-hmm. So it's like we see him have to go through kind of like a crisis of faith in himself because, you know, Johnny Lawrence doesn't really strike me as a real religious type mm-hmm. um, as seen in the episode where he goes and he talks to, and he actually reunites the gang. You know, we get to see the original Cobra Kai dudes. That's probably my second favorite episode in this season is when the Cobra Kai is like all reunite. You get to find out what they've all been up to, you know. Um, and it's interesting because obviously like in the series, you're really only looking at Daniel and uh, and Johnny. It's like now you're finding out what happened to all those other kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of them is sick with cancer and on, you know, nearly <laughs> going to die. And, the, and even the actor, what, you know, actually had cancer at the time that's why i was like holy fucking shit (laughs) because i think there was an episode in season three that was dedicated to him and i was like oh shit he was actually sick (laughs) i had no idea like i felt you know it's and it's really sad especially when you go back and rewatch that episode specifically Mm -hmm. um i think the the reason why the 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 big reason why this season hits a hits a, a a note for me is because Johnny tries so hard to redeem Crease the way Miguel is redeeming him. And I feel that the like he focuses so much on Crease in the entire the entire season. We're just like, why do you keep standing up for this piece of shit? But I think it's because the, the psychology of this character is that in his mind, if he can redeem Crease, that justifies that he can redeem himself in a way and he's trying to and that's why he's trying so hard to make crease bring him back into the fold to cobra kai but still keep him at arm's length like you know arm's distance especially when we find out that crease the years haven't been kind for him after karate kid 3 we find out that he you know he's essentially just kind of like this homeless dude that's just hanging out and you know just going to, from homeless shelter to homeless shelter and you know Johnny seeing what Crease is now, he knows he want he doesn't want that to become him. So or he doesn't he doesn't want to become that. I'm sorry. I can't English today. <laughs> he doesn't want to become that. So in his way, if he's trying to save Crease, it saves him, you know. 
Um, and we find out that, and his buddies, the Cobra Kai guys tell him themselves that not everybody deserves redeeming. Not everyone deserves saving. Mm-hmm. And Priest is not one of those guys. And I think that's the the bitter pill for Johnny to swallow. Um, but, but, you know, like as the, as the season continues, we do see that he makes an effort to, to, to repair his relationship with Robbie. He opens up about his relationship with Robbie and, and, and being a kid and being a, a unprepared father for Robbie to Miguel. And we get to see where he kind of builds, he starts rebuilding that bridge between him and Miguel uh, and unfortunately, by the end of the season, it all comes to a head and all pretty much comes ripped out away from under him. Yeah. So season two, much of it takes place during summer break. Uh, season one of Cobra Kai took place during the school year. Uh, all Valley kind of seems to be like the end of the school year. You know, I think they it, say June. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be like like second week of June or some shit. And it's funny because, like, in, in season two, like, I don't really think about school. Like, I, I never, like, think about the fact, oh, yeah, these kids aren't really going to school right now. You mm-hmm. know, it's, like, it's not something I think about. It's just, like, all of them going to these, like, different locations. And obviously, mm-hmm. it's because it's summer vacation for them. And but... you, know what, you know what's funny? No Fourth of July episode. No. The closest thing they have is Valley Fest. And I think that's why it never clicked for me that it was summer vacation. Right. And that's the thing. Season two, despite the fact that I don't, I think it is the weakest of the seasons, it does have really great moments. Like the Valley Fest moment where <laughs> Cobra Kai ends up stealing the spotlight, you know, by using it as a, as a way to advertise their dojo. That's an <laughs> awesome Daniel sequence. Yeah. The fact that, you know, Dan- Daniel's, uh, you know, Miyagi Do teachings end up being, you know, construed as like, cultural appropriation which you know it's it's a clever thing right like how often do we have like white folks coming into non-white areas uh starting businesses that you know it's like this isn't your culture and now you're going to try to profit off of it you know Mm -hmm. like whether it's you know just like it's just it's people who who you know we know the character of daniel so we know that he obviously has a great amount of uh a great deal of respect and admiration of the Okinawan karate culture that Mr. Miyagi instilled in him, but other kids aren't going to know that. Mm-hmm. So it's like the fact that he is branded as Daniel the racist <laughs> because, you know, people <laughs> think he's appropriating uh, Asian culture is, you know, it's, it, it's smart. It's a smart way to pin that. Yeah. Um, the And of course, I think the, the final episode of this season is awesome oh from the fact that they're returning to school and we get the playing of cruel summer you know, the same song that, that they play in Karate Kid 1 when Daniel's getting off the school bus for the first time going to yes, his new high school, right. uh-huh. which I hadn't noticed until I watched. Like, the first time that I watched the series, I never really thought about the song that they played. This mm-hmm. time, with us having watched all the movies leading up to this, I picked it up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of season two is awesome. <laughs> you want to talk about karate gangland fights? <laughs> Like, because that's the thing. I don't think there is much confrontation between the kids, um, because at this point the Cobra Kai's are kind of running the school, um, so there isn't really many like bully on nerd fights. <laughs> but this, yeah, essentially all the all the the frustrations and anger come to a head from the last year, and the first day of school. Um, 
again after a series of misunderstandings uh we we have tori uh go on a war path going through the school because she wants to essentially murder sam larusso <laughs> and this leads to this giant school-wide fight between the miyagi Do and the cobra kai kids and again this is what i was talking about the 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 core the fight choreography and stunt choreography in this in this series fantastic because especially when there's massive group fights like this it is very easy to see when people kind of take it easy and stunt you know the stunt um coordinate or you know the stunt actors don't really know what to do so they're just kind of like chilling in the background um a, a scene that is infamous for this and it's hard because i actually love the scene it was probably one of the coolest scenes in that movie was in um was it rise of skywalker where ray and and uh kylo ren fight the red guards in the room uh no that's uh the last jedi your favorite one. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway the coolest scene in that movie unfortunately if you look in the background you see a lot of red guards just kind of standing there not really knowing what to do so they're just like chilling and waiting until their cue for them to come up so this is where i think it's actually really smart for every kid from each dojo to have a foil because no one's not doing anything in the background like the fights are seamless it's very well cut every character gets like their own shine you know, like there's the there's the moment where like ass face and I forgot what the other kids name is. <laughs> you know, that's like the budding rivalry. Um, you know, you have the scene where the two little nerds get uh they they they're going at it and then the security guard just grabs them both and just walks them off the premises. <laughs> um so yeah, there's like a lot of fun uh, a lot of fun little um juxtapositions and of course like we have eli eli and dimitri so you know we see their friendship kind of dissolve throughout this season we see a uh we see um eli or hawk um pretty much bully dimitri for for most of the summer Mm -hmm. and then uh we finally you know we also get to see dimitri develop at his own pace but he starts to develop and starts becoming comfortable in miyagi Do. To the point where he actually won up Hawk, and he actually kicks him into a into a trophy case, kind of like uh, getting back whatever you know, getting getting that win back after getting picked on all summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, like the big fight is Miguel and Robbie, who their frustrations over the Sam relationship has been coming to you know has been boiling over, and then Tori and Sam, who Tori. Um, she believed that Sam like made a move on Miguel and tried to move in on her dude. Again, a lot of stupid teenager stuff. You, you learned, you learned to let it go because again, this is still a teen drama as well. Right. I mean, this it's, it's one of those things that's probably a lot more interesting to an audience who isn't us. Yeah. Not 30 year old men that just want to see fight. Fight. <laughs> But and it's and again, it's not things that we hate, right? Like it's just stuff that obviously isn't aimed towards us. And one of the reasons why we like this series is because it does reach out to such a broad audience. So yeah, like uh, I'm sure if I had a teenager like watching this show, we could both watch it, no problem. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really incredible final 
episode fight that I think is like half the episode, right? It is. Like, that's the other thing. It's a <laughs> long fight scene, which I think they try to they try to recreate in season three, kind of, to a certain extent. Mm. Um, I mean, still works. I mean, yeah, I, it still works, but it's nothing like the first time that you do it, right? No, especially not like how you see like the cameras going through all these hallways and all these kids are fighting like the the doing it in the school is a completely different and unique experience you know like i felt like they did a really good job with the cinematography in this scene and it, um, and it feels like the moment where the series finally says we're stepping out of the shadow of the karate kid movie franchise now mm-hmm. and we're be and we have become our own thing it's like focus on these kids because they are the karate kids now. Like yeah. <laughs> that's who that's who you should pay attention to. Um, Tori, I guess we didn't really talk about her, but she's essentially, you know, the bad girl, like the bad girl Tori <laughs> of karate. <laughs> um, you know, she's a girl that joins uh, Cobra Kai. Um, you know, she has like a kickboxing background, but you know, she's like she you know she's also the taking care of a sick mom and a little brother so she's M- one of the- much like the character of Robbie she has a rough home life yeah exactly so she has a rough home life she's constantly on edge and feeling like she has to defend herself um so after the Sam and Miguel breakup you know they develop a relationship um she she makes mention of using like a belt with spikes on it and one of the episodes which comes back in this uh final fight where she uses that which i'm assuming again to kill sam LaRusso because <laughs> she ends up like stabbing her in the arm with it and um you know but the and and sam being able to doing pretty much what what her dad would do in the early in the earlier films you know calls back on on learning to not be afraid and you know fight, fighting uh tori off but the big thing that happens here is that miguel and robbie as they're fighting on a landing um miguel have you know getting getting essentially robbie on the ropes we're, we're about to beat him mm-hmm. however he ends up remembering what johnny tells him about showing mercy like the importance of not being that asshole right, right? So at, so so, so at, at the end of season one, all the Cobra Kai's have embraced the mantra of no mercy. So it's like it's turned them into evil characters. And whereas at the end of season two, once Miguel finally realizes that, that the best way to end the fight is to show mercy, he actually ends up paying for it because Robbie ends up kicking him and he falls backwards over the banister and ends up hitting like the rails of, of stairs and mm-hmm. and is basically just knocked out cold you have no idea if he's, he's died or you know has broken his back or all that kind of stuff like you absolutely have no idea what's what's happened you just know that it's very serious i don't want to downplay the because one of the things I did like about this season, I, I loved the focus that they did put on Samantha and Daniel for those episodes where Samantha was dealing with her fear of of fighting Tori, and Daniel uses that as is this this is season two right or season three that I'm talking about? Uh, that happens in season three oh, okay. because in season right. three it was uh she has like 
the she's dealing with the trauma of of getting fucking okay. scarred by Tori. All right, so I won't jump into that quite yet, but yeah. yeah, unfortunately, you know, you had Johnny kind of look like he was going to have a, some sort of relationship with Miguel's mother, um, and all of that gets completely cut short because Miguel is now sitting in a hospital room with a broken neck, back, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, she wants nothing to do with him. Robbie has run away because obviously police are probably looking for him her. now, <laughs> and he nearly killed someone. Uh, Sam and Daniel and Amanda are all in the same hospital because she is now, you know, dealing with all the injuries of this massive <laughs> fight at mm-hmm. the end of season two. And it's implied it, Tori gets arrested. Right. Um, because in, in the beginning of season three, she, you know, she's shown having to report to like a parole officer. Um, essentially, this is the darkest season of Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. You know, it ends with a kid almost, as far as we know, maybe even being dead, you know, like, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it, it, imagine ending the series on that. Imagine if it didn't get picked up for season three, Right? <laughs> how pissed off you would have been. Um, but that does take us to season three. And essentially, which is the first Netflix season. Yes. Which, you know, we have season four that's going to be coming up soon. Um, and yeah, so now the series is officially in the, un, in the Netflix family. Um, and, you know, this season begins with the end of season Ooh, two. I forgot. You, yeah. The, the, the other thing that happens in the end of season two was Kreese officially takes over Cobra Kai again. Mm hmm. He um when Johnny tries to go shut it down, uh, he finds out that Crease pretty much moved in on the lease and took over, and now um and that was the big thing is that now everything belongs to Crease uh, on paper, so Johnny can't do anything. Um, so Johnny ends up leaving, and season three begins with essentially what I can only call his self destruction. <laughs> um. But yeah, like season three is a lot like uh, at least the beginning is dealing with a lot of the fallout with uh, with the high school fight. So at this point, karate's been outlawed at the school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like Miguel is in a coma. Apparently he's been in a coma for, uh, you know, for a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom, Carmen, wants nothing to do with Johnny uh doesn't want him visiting uh robbie at this point is still on the run uh sam is dealing with what looks to be uh ptsd um meanwhile like i mentioned earlier tori is still like trying to she's working like two jobs reporting to her parole officer i don't even know if she's going to school i think she'd she'd been expelled by that point (laughs) I think Aisha doesn't even go back to the school, right? Like this is the season. This is our first season without Aisha in it. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure what the circumstances of her being written off the show are. I just know that the actress is just no longer involved with the series. So Aww, that sucks. I really liked her character. Right. It's an unfortunate loss, and I think what we talked about when we were watching the series for this episode is you do kind of, you do miss her 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 presence by the time you get to season three. Mm-hmm. because as she was you know sam's best friend childhood best friend it did feel like sam had someone who she would turn to and in a season like this where sam is spending a lot of it dealing with ptsd as you said having mm-hmm. a character of like you know aisha that she can confide in 
would probably make it so i mean it's one of those things that would probably help (laughs) solve some of those issues that she had in terms of you know having someone that she can communicate with but you know it's just yeah it's unfortunately she's just no longer with the series it also just does concern me that you know the only well i guess one of the two black um lead characters or main or you know major characters in this show uh you know she's no longer here and while we do have uh you know there there are some characters of color still you know it's a little yeah you know i'm not crazy about it yeah the fact that the the cast is a little bit whiter than it was last season (laughs) (laughs) because that's the thing like he was, uh, I mean, sorry, she was really, like, she was a really cool character. Like, being able to see um, Aisha's kind of progression into becoming um, this badass, too. Especially, like, that part where she, that part in season two where she defends herself, finally stands up to Yasmin, uh, and ends up, like, giving her a front wedgie. Like, <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, wedgies are red. <laughs> But anyway, seeing like, and also Nicole Brown is pretty, like, she's a really good actress. Like, I thought she played the Aisha character really well. So it, it is definitely a noticeable loss. Um, but however, I was reading that just because she's not in season three, they haven't completely written her character off. So there is a possibility of her being in season four. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm probably going to look into that. Hopefully she does make a comeback because she's, uh, yeah, she was definitely missed this season. Um, but yeah, like we, like we were mentioning, a lot of this season for the kids is, um, is Cobra Kai just being pretty much the top dog at this point. And it is the, completely the return of the 80s Cobra Kai. Like the between the toxic environment with, crease as their uh with crease as their sensei again they become the outright bullies and they run the school uh essentially all over again uh daniel and dan well not daniel but like miyagi do the gym itself like a lot of those kids end up getting a lot of the heat because robbie was a part of miyagi do and because he put miguel in the hospital it's kind of like miyagi miyagi do is kind of to look down upon so a lot of the arc for uh the miyagi do kids is trying to uh bring miyagi do back to a good light while still trying to defend themselves from cobra kai because they're trying to high road the entire time but like hawk and the rest of the cobra kai kids continuously you know try to bait them or try to start fights or try to get them into positions where they can get in trouble right um meanwhile like the you know there there there, there's a lot of spinning plates in this season um we we find out that the fallout of the uh you know back to school fight uh led to larusso auto body or yeah uh yeah, the LaRusso auto whatever dealership kind of suffering in sales and people don't want to go <laughs> buy cars from the LaRussos due to the controversy from the school fight. Um, meanwhile, Johnny is trying his best to just kind of cope with, uh, with, with, with me, uh, Miguel in the hospital. Um, 
but we what we do get to see is this this season does bring it back to what we love and that is the relationship between Johnny and Miguel <laughs> we get a lot of that which we've been missing from I remember you and I talked about it how you felt that like you were excited to see that right like you wanted to see the the return of that um it it feels like the moment that, I mean it, it feels like yeah a return to form the series kind of refines its footing and I it's just I can't explain it. To me, the chemistry between Johnny and Miguel is some of the best chemistry in the series. You care about the relationship between Miguel and Samantha, Miguel and Tori, Miguel and Rob, like all the other characters. You care about the relationships with Miguel and Johnny because of the relationship between them that anchors the series. And what's nice about this season too is that besides, besides the return to the miguel johnny relationship which you know includes the fact that johnny is now on facebook <laughs> he has now sent messages to ali and reached out and uh you know miguel shows him what he needs to do to make himself look interesting and not be creepy <laughs> in his behavior <laughs> because you know obviously someone like johnny who's not on the internet or hasn't been doesn't really understand internet social media etiquette <laughs> so miguel basically teaches him uh, Johnny, I know that there's been some criticism levied against this season because it, the way, you know, the ableism in it, the fact that you have a character like Miguel who's in a wheelchair for the first half of the season and that John, Johnny essentially bullies him into learning how to walk again. <laughs> it's, it's not something that's landed so well with the entire, you know, disabled community. I can imagine because it is <laughs> it is hard at times where like you know he'll like there's the scene where he has a fishing pole with the Sports Illustrated bikini <laughs> edition from the 80s and then, like Johnny's just putting it just out of Miguel's reach and just being like come on if you want to look at these babes yeah and I'm just like like yes it's comedic and i definitely laughed about it i also felt really bad after because <laughs> right. it it is very like I, I can i can see why people didn't jive with that with that bit of it you know another awesome thing that this season that this third season does is daniel we we get a lot of daniel and johnny coming together again you know in season two before the season finale fight we get that awesome like dinner, you know, episode where he, you know, where Johnny and Daniel and their dates end up at the same Mexican restaurant and they actually end up sitting at the same table. And that's where they finally kind of have like, you know, it's like one of two moments where they, you know, look back at how stupid some of the stuff that they did <laughs> was, you know, and, uh, you know it's 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 really cool it, it makes it, it finally makes daniel not the de facto villain <laughs> yeah it, it, you know what it, it humanizes both of them because yes. they both get to sit down and talk and they're just like we were fucking stupid weren't we <laughs> and it's like it, it it makes it so that each character is willing to reevaluate where they're at and and it makes them likable especially yep. daniel because I think like, season, and Daniel needed season three to become a likable character again. Mm-hmm. And the strength of him in season three is that we get a return of Daniel to 
Japan, not quite Okinawa, I don't think. Um, uh, yeah, he goes back to Okinawa. That's Okinawa. Okay, so never mind. First I, he, well, first they go to he goes to Tokyo because he wants yes. to make the he goes to the Dayona Auto Group to try to uh, like reestablish their um, the the contracts with them. Right, but, because <laughs> in parallel to Daniel's you know competitive com- competition with Johnny of their warring karate dojos, Daniel is also in competition with a rival auto dealership in the valley, <laughs> Bob Cole or something like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> which and you he- know, it, it's it's such a side, you know, kind of like thing that you no one really cares about. about. Yeah, you you forget it's even season. a thing. Yeah. So it's basically an excuse to get Daniel to 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 reconnect with a bunch of Karate Kid two characters, including yep. Kumiko, which you know yes. we always talk about how much we like the relationship between them. I love you know when they get back together and kind of like you know discuss what their lives have been like since. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the return of Shozen. <laughs> <laughs> and Shozen is now it's like you know. I after rewatching that episode, I remember being like, "Man, like especially with the context of watching uh, Karate Kid Two, right?" Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Man, are they really gonna make him like his his foil, like his Japanese foil again? Because he's just <laughs> so serious and he's so angry all the time." And then it's like he, and then he spends days with him practicing karate and getting his ass kicked when they're in Okinawa. <laughs> and, and but, you know, in some ways, it feels like Shozen is going to be a Miyagi stand-in yeah. for him because he's essentially telling Daniel, "Hey, this is what you didn't know about Miyagi Do, and I'm going to teach it to you right now mm-hmm. about Miyagi karate." <laughs> and he ends up using like essentially learns to use uh pressure points mm-hmm. to be able to uh incapacitate your opponent and you have the awesome callback to the mortal combat scene <laughs> where he where chosen has incapacitated daniel and he puts him in the same position just like when daniel says live or die uh it's up to you man or mm-hmm. you choose and you know, Chosen looks like he's about to do the same thing. Like he, you know, he's about to finally get revenge, and he ends up honking Daniel's nose yeah. and cracks himself up. And I was like, oh, "Okay, thank God!" Like I was like, "I'm don't tell me this guy hasn't changed in 34 years too." Yeah, and it turns out, you know, he and you know, we we it, it's all done as an expo dump. But I, I was okay with it. I thought like hearing Chosen's story about how he he felt so bad over what he did, he didn't even want to like live anymore. Mm-hmm. And but his uncle decided to actually turn to leaf because of his experience with Daniel and Miyagi, where he gave Chosen another chance and he, he was able to redeem Chosen by you know teaching him the right way. Mm-hmm. So you get to see Chosen teach Daniel how to use this new Miyagi-Do technique and also kind of bring closure to that relationship as well, uh, which then leads to um, actually meeting the girl that, that Daniel saved during the, during the hurricane. I forgot what her name was. You might remember. I don't remember exactly. But yes, it, it's one of those things that 
I remember, well, I figured it, I caught it watching it this time, mm-hmm. right? Like I didn't really pay attention to who that girl was when I first saw season three of this, but yeah, this time I definitely connected the dots to Karate Kid 2. And it turns out she's like the VP at Doyona and she mm-hmm. ends up helping Daniel save his um, auto business. Yeah, save the auto business. Which was really cool, you know? Oh, season one also makes a funny kind of like tongue-in-cheek reference to the fact that, you know, where Amanda talks about how, you know, Daniel's first business was a bonsai tree business with Mr. Miyagi (laughs) and how thankfully he's learned better with his business ventures since. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is a thing that we kind of discussed in Karate Kid 3 or so. What's the market for this? I'm glad the series kind of pokes fun at it as well. I am totally okay with that. Um, the other thing we get in season three is because Crease is so much more of a major character now, we get a lot of these bizarre, like Vietnam War flashbacks to Crease and Terry Silver and what their lives are like. These things are really well, meant, what these are meant to do is they're meant to humanize Crease and make him more of a character that you kind of want to follow in this. I mm-hmm. don't really like any of this. Mm-hmm. None of it moves me. None of it makes me care about his character more. And none of it makes me feel like he's any more necessary than he was before. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm i fine with it. Like, it establishes yeah. why Crease why is the big bad. And I deal with it, but I don't really care for it. Yeah, like, I, I don't feel bad for Crease because at the end of the day, he poisoned Cobra Kai 2.0. And which of which led to Miguel almost dying. So it's like fuck Crease no matter what. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, you know, like we do learn his backstory. And actually the guy with the ponytail wasn't Terry Silver. Oh um, okay. Unless they kill off because that, that guy ends up getting killed. He's killed off screen by the uh Viet Cong. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was Terry Silver too. I'm like, oh shit, that's Terry. So I don't I guess it's implied that the guy that tells when 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 they end up escaping, mm-hmm. uh, it's implied that that's Terry, and he's the one that tells because he tells Crease, uh, "Hey man, you know whatever you want, I'm there for you. Don't like you don't even have to worry about it. I'll take care of you when we get back to the states." Um, and that's after Crease leaves the their commanding officer to die, like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of like the Crease flashbacks too. Like I get it, you want to show why he became the big bad. Um, but I was also okay with Crease not being in the series. Yes, you know, like I think that's the thing. That's that that's the big thing here. Um, um, I I think the reason why he exists in the series is probably because in this series now, you once Johnny and Miguel have both made their exodus from Cobra Kai (laughs) and have repaired the relationship and Miguel is walking again. Really what the last few episodes of this season become is Johnny now starting his new ethical Cobra Kai dojo uh, in the form of, you know, taking more misfit kids that got disillusioned with Kreese's Cobra Kai Mm -hmm. and taking them to a park (laughs) so that they can now be students of Eagle Fang Karate. <laughs> oh my god! The the last like two episodes with Johnny and Eagle Fang Karate like 
had me dying, dude. <laughs> like it's again, it is it's gold. It is stupid. It's hilarious. It's something you know Johnny would want to do. It's something you know Miguel like hates and doesn't really like, but he's gonna go with it because his sensei started it. <laughs> my favorite part is when <laughs> is when the chubby kid comes with them, the redhead kid, and he's like he goes, hey, um, so since this is a new dojo, do you guys have to call me pa- ass face? <laughs> Johnny's like, would you prefer penis breath? <laughs> and he's like, okay, ass face it is. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like just the, like, they're just like rapid firing jokes, like during these scenes. Because mm-hmm. there's like the scene where he shows him the really shitty t shirts that has, say, Eagle Fang on it with like <laughs> the fanged eagle. My favorite one is everyone saying, but Eagles don't even have fangs. And he just yells, quiet. <laughs> he just gets super pissed. Oh my God. And then, like, you know, he throws the shirt at Assface, and it's, like, two sizes too small. <laughs> so you see Assface's, like, gut hanging out. <laughs> like, it was, it, you know, there's a lot of, there, there was a lot of cool things that, like, they bring back Johnny from, like, the edge of the cliff as well. Because he's, right. like, the entire, like, the entire season is, for him, is trying to, one, pull himself out of the tailspin uh, after, Mm-hmm. Um, like the scene where he goes and conf- like he goes and talks to his other Cobra Kai buddy in the middle of a church service, <laughs> where he ends up getting like you know sweet like he ends up getting like foot swept and knocked out. Mm-hmm. But then like you know he after that he 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 essentially gains the courage to confront Miguel, knowing Miguel is going to hate him. You know Miguel is going to blame him for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to kind of take that and focus completely on Miguel's rehab. Um, and I love the scenes during the rehab because there's like that part where Miguel kind of like takes on the role of Johnny, especially during the uh, the parts where he's trying to do the Facebook thing. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if you remember, there's a part where like Johnny is trying to make excuses as to like why he's doing this stuff to, to impress Allie. And then Miguel goes, quiet! <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that's where he starts telling him that you know he's being a hypocrite and he's just got to be who he is and all that so it was really cool um i guess some other things to talk about robbie's and you know he ends up going to jail during this season he goes to juvie yes. um and both daniel and uh johnny are trying to repair their relationships with this kid uh however by the end of the season he is now firmly Kreese's pupil uh-huh. <laughs> and has become really the best fighter of new douchebag Kreese Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's debatable that once Miguel left, Hawk was probably the best fighter. Yes. Uh, as shown in the scene where the, where Kreese actually goes and gets uh, what he calls naturally gifted athletes. Right. I mean, Hawk and Tori, right, are, are the, are the best two fighters. Yeah. best fighters. And then you get oh. these other guys that you know that that Kreese bring in, and I think they bring, in, I, they bring I think, in Kyler. They bring in the Kyler's friend that looks like he's twenty seven and yeah. has a beer belly, and he looks like the fat guy in every nineties party movie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like they end up bringing them in. But this is all part of Hawk's arc where he's starts having second, like you know, starts having second thoughts about being a part of Cobra Kai. You know, yeah. like, 
I think they wait a little long for him to make the turn. Like he literally makes it in the middle of the rematch fight, which, you know, it it takes place in the second to last episode, I think. Or is it, it's either the last or second to last episode when. It's the last episode. Okay, last episode. Yeah. So it's like now it's in the LaRusso house. And then at the same time, it's like you have, it's juxtaposed with the scene of Amanda and Daniel and Johnny and Allie, who yep. he's like ends up going on a date with for the last episode. They're all having dinner. And <laughs> while that's happening, this fight happens. And somewhere in the middle of that fight, Hawk now becomes, you know, <laughs> basically pledges his allegiance to Eagle Fang mid fight. <laughs> and I'm... you get the rejoining of him and Dimitri. And you know what? I was so unhappy that like, I think seeing, seeing Hawk like, you know, end up reteaming again with Dimitri to fight off these other kids is like it's tantamount to like when you're watching wrestling and like a character that you've liked, a wrestler that you've liked for so long, but who's been like a villainous bad guy character, like suddenly makes a baby face turn. Mm-hmm. And then you get him like reuniting with his partner. I was I think I told Javi specifically, it just reminded me of like Triple H and Shawn Michaels getting back together. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like I do, I do, I do feel, you know, awesome for these characters because I followed them for all this time. And now all of a sudden, you know, despite the fact that I do think his turn comes a little late, I don't think it's any less effective. <laughs> it's definitely think- cool to see Hawk finally, you know, back from the dark side. It's cool because they tease it throughout the entire season, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when he breaks Dimitri's arm, you can tell he immediately feels shitty. Um, you know, he has that scene where he he kind of loses it when Kyler and the other dudes show up to Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. And he beats the other dude, like, bloody. You don't see it. Like, they do it off screen. I thought they did a really good job about that. But you can tell that he wasn't comfortable with the violence that he was capable of Mm -hmm. so you know you get you get the scene where he finally turns um but yeah again the the larusso house fight is at the end of the season is it's not as long as the school fight no and it's not um it's it's not as epic no it's definitely not as epic because it's just like um, it's just, you know, the Cobra Kai kids, I mean, the Cobra Kai kids are all sociopaths <laughs> at this point, <laughs> but you do start seeing a lot of redemptive arcs, you know, like you get, you get the scene where, uh, Miguel's getting the shit kicked down and his shit kicked in by Kyler. Um, but he's able to finally beat him again. He gains his confidence back, uh, being able to pull off the kick that, you know, he wasn't able to do with, uh, with Johnny earlier in the, in the, in the season. Mm-hmm. And then the big one being that Sam, after talking to, to Daniel and learning about the importance of overcoming fear, um, you know, you get the call back to the most important scene in Karate Kid 3, which is when Daniel's fighting against uh, Mike Barnes and he's getting his ass kicked and he ends up being afraid. Like he, he, he almost loses to fear and Miyagi tells him, it's okay to lose to your opponent. It's not okay to lose to your fear, which ends up leading Sam to get the inner strength needed to confront Tori again in that dojo fight where she ends up using like a bow staff to beat, to beat, um, 
to beat Tori because Tori apparently is really good with nunchucks all of a sudden. Right. And, and uh, I was like, whatever, that's fine. I don't care. Right. But I, what I do like about this, you know, Daniel and Samantha, like, you know, side plot in all of this is really that you get, you start to get the feeling more of what the relationship between Samantha and Mr. Miyagi was. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's awesome that this series can invoke so much of Pat Morita, despite the fact that he's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, this series does so much good stuff to basically bring Mr. Miyagi back into the present without his character even being here anymore. Oh my god, when Kumiko's reading the letters to Daniel mm-hmm. in Okinawa, and she, like, she gets to the part where, he, where Miyagi's telling uh, Yukio about... Um, about about samantha mm-hmm. and how he sees her as uh as his granddaughter and how proud of her she is i was just like oh my god my feelings yeah and daniel hey. and i mean ralph maggio did a fantastic job because he like tears up perfectly man. and i think the reason why that why the season three fight isn't as epic as season two besides you know the fact that it's something that had already been done before and it just wasn't as big it's also just the focus of this episode isn't the fight. Mm-hmm. The main focus of this episode is bringing Daniel, Ali, and Johnny back together again. So, and I mean, essentially Miyagi Do and well Eagle Fang together too. Yes. <laughs> the the actual final confrontation of this season is Crease, Daniel, and Johnny. Right. Where and- they <laughs> where Johnny almost like where he knocks out Robbie while they're at uh at the Cobra Kai gym when he finally like comes to comes to blows with crease and they end up beating the shit out of each other in um in, in the in the cobra kai dojo right there's also the episode what brings samantha and miguel back together which i think it's a good episode in itself as well is when all of them are lobbying to bring back the all valley tournament you know because obviously they want to cancel in this town because of the giant massive karate fight at the end of season two you know, you get Daniel, you get Daniel and and Samantha, as well as Miguel and Johnny coming to advocate that the All Valley tournament needs to return. Crease is there to fight for why it should return as well. Um, so you get Samantha and Miguel coming back together. At the end of the season, you get, mm-hmm. you know, Johnny and Daniel starting to come together as well. And we get it because, you know, okay, so Johnny's relationship with Miguel's mother is all but consummated at this point. Oh, yeah. But it also looks like, you know, both of them kind of want to put the brakes on stuff because obviously they both care about Miguel and they don't want to complicate things. So, you know, Johnny's not sure that this is the person he is going to be with. Uh, he actually gets a response from Allie about meeting up. Allie is in town. She returns. Elizabeth Shue is back. Um, you know, they, they reminisce over how things were in high school. You, you kind of, you know, Johnny talks, you know, it's like you get the impression that Ali's had this very charm, perfect life since high school because of, you know, how things have gone for her since. Yep. But that's when that's not the case necessarily. Right. Like her and her husband are going to divorce. She's got older kids now. And, uh, you know, it's like, as happens for all adults, by the time you have kids and you're raising kids, your life really does take a backseat. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of things are, you know, they, they used to think about when you were young and stuff like that are, are no longer the focus of your life. Right. So mm-hmm. 
and I love that they actually have a callback to the beginning of Karate Kid 2 where because remember how one of our big things is we talked about how the LA scene sucked in Karate Kid 2 <laughs> they, they they kind of fixed that situation um where you know like we hear the story about what how Daniel and Allie broke up that Daniel uh that daniel like went to go see her at ucla and while she was talking to a friend he just jumped to the conclusion that she was in love with him or she was like cheating on him and that in his anger he ended up like driving out and hitting either a car or a pole on his way out (laughs) which then caused the damage to the car that we see at the beginning of karate kid 2 which he blames (laughs) on ali so it's so it's funny that you know like that even no matter what the the this series still finds ways to do callbacks so as many minute details as possible i think it also does it makes ali's character it, it fixes that karate kid 2 problem where you're like yeah. damn like i thought he and ali to... really cared about each other yeah. and now all of a sudden it's this it fixes the problem where I, you know you don't really think that of ali and johnny as having that close a relationship but mm-hmm. getting them back together like it gives you a good like idea of what their relationship was like before she meets Daniel. Um, and ultimately, I think what's really funny about this whole thing is that she is the one who basically tells him, hey, I think the reason why you guys hate each other so much is because you guys are so alike. Yep. You know, you guys do things differently, but you both want the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it looks like both of you guys are better served from working together as opposed to apart. And of course, that photo for that foreshadows like the end of the season, where both of these guys end up confronting Crease, uh, Daniel Russo using the the Miyagi Do techniques he learned out in Okinawa, mm-hmm. and um, essentially both of uh, both Johnny and uh, Daniel like sparing Crease in 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 settling things at the all valley while both of them get to join forces and create like a super dojo to take on cobra kai um (laughs) i wanted to go back to the scene that you that you uh that you were talking about real quick uh the 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 city council scene where the kids like go and give the really impassioned speech i love it i thought that kid was uh what's his name well, Miguel's actor's name? Do you know? Ooh, no. I mean, I I I don't know how to pronounce his name, Solo, <laughs> which is funny. Which Solo is funny because like Mariduena, Mariduena. Anyway, Solo. <laughs> this kid, he can act. Like when it, it's really interesting to see him from season one to season three because like you can tell he. I don't know if you know this. He's actually the youngest of the Cobra Kai kids. Huh. Of all the actors, I think, because um, everyone's between like 19 and 24. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, Samantha is actually the oldest of the actors. <laughs> oh, think, really? Yeah, because she's 24. So it continues the uh, the tradition of a LaRusso being played by someone way older than <laughs> they're supposed to be. Gotcha. But yeah, she's 24 now. And so at the time the series uh, debuted, he was like 17. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you see him grow, you see him get stronger, like, you know, have more of a, like, man's body, a little bit taller, his voice changes a little bit, 
But um, by the time he gives that that speech, I was like, oh man, like I'm seeing an actual young man here. Like he was like I think his delivery was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things is that they're not afraid to continue using Johnny as uh, comedy relief, um, or comic relief in the in this series, because like there's that part where Miguel is um, is explaining like all the abuse that kids go through, whether it's cyberbullying or physical bullying, mm-hmm. talking about getting wedgies and swirlies. And my favorite part is where the council the councilwoman ends up. The councilwoman ends up saying swirlies, and then Johnny stands up and he goes, "Yeah, it's when you shove a kid's face into the toilet, and then you start flushing." He goes, "It's actually kind of hilarious," <laughs> but it's like the, the again, like it highlights the relationship of Miguel because Miguel gets super mad, and you like hear him say something under his breath. <laughs> I'm just like, man, like then. The, they they did a really good job capturing that that mentor mentee relationship, mm-hmm. and it, it, it honestly I'm not gonna lie like I, I texted you uh, about it how I had a I had a student that back when I was coaching back in the olden days, and now that seeing that young man get older and you know he's in college and now he's talking about getting married and whatnot and I'm just like man. I feel like Johnny Lawrence now. <laughs> and it just kind of makes me miss that, uh, you know, like, you know, as an adult, we have an impact on a lot of these kids' lives. It's pretty crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my emotional moment. And I wanted to talk about. <laughs> All right. So I think that's pretty much it. That's, that's our discussion on this series so far. And we're very excited to see where season four goes. Uh, we will not continue reviewing this. I don't think, uh, but, you know, if the demand is high enough and people like what we're talking about enough, who knows? Maybe we will come back to this at some point. But uh, up until this point, I guess the best question to ask is, Javi, do you like Cobra Kai? <laughs> yeah, I think I do. Uh, <laughs> in case it didn't sound like it, I feel like it's a great series like we talked about. It was something it, – it's something you can binge over the weekend as you and I have done <laughs> for in preparation for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're a fan of Karate Kid, whether one or two or any of them really, like there's so much in the old stuff to bring in old fans. There's enough new stuff that if you're a Gen X or millennial with a teenager of your own, you'd something you can share with them. I think there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to like and I think mm-hmm. it's really cool how cross-generational this series can be um like I said whether you like the you know if you're a fan of uh fight choreography it's very well choreographed as opposed to other series I've seen uh acting you know I'm really surprised with how well like Ralph Macchio and uh William Zabka are in this series oh yeah like we bring back actors from the 80s I mean, they've been in stuff since, but bringing back people whose heyday was long ago and then seeing that they actually still have a lot to offer, you know, is pretty impressive. I love that this series doesn't hang its hat completely on the older folks. Like, they focus a lot on the kids. Oh, you know, Top to Bottom, it's a strong series. I think season three is probably, like a high watermark as because of the you know production value you know you can tell this is the season they have money 
because they're not just in like one of three locations like in season <laughs> one but um honestly like i don't think as good as all you know as good as season three is and as as like as um i guess heavy as season two is i don't think you can match the heart of season one no. i think season one <laughs> was such a special thing of seeing like of seeing like the relationship between uh Johnny and Miguel blossom you get to see all these nerdy kids come in their own like i feel like with a slightly altered ending it could have been a mini series in season 1 what you would have been happy with the way it ended you know yeah it could it could have ended right there and it would have been perfect it really is uh as you said the high water mark i do like this series as well um i do think season 1 of cobra kai is you can stand it up with with you know what people would consider perfect seasons of other series as well you know like i just think it's it's that good and uh you know i like the series i thought season three was a good return to form after that you know (laughs) as you said the dark the the dark season that we got in season two i am very excited to see more of it um you know see if it gets better see if it gets worse I appreciated the fact that we got to come back and watch all the movies in this series and go through them one by one each week. I feel like it, it made for a much richer like understanding of this show to like have gone through everything mm-hmm. before we got back to it. And um, yeah, I'm definitely excited that uh, we got our first television review out of the way. And uh, you know, though we are done talking about this now next week, we are coming back to, talk about something else that's going to feel like a bit of a mini series and that's mm-hmm. going to be the four plus hour Zack Snyder cut of Justice League which you know there are early audience reviews coming out talking about how good it is and uh, you know I, I definitely I don't I don't know if this is going to be any good but <laughs> being someone think... who loves DC comics and DC characters I'm hoping it's going to be good right so yeah. And I think it's going to be hard to talk about it, like, you know, after it barely comes out, because I'm probably going to have to watch it a couple times to really process it. I'm going to rewatch 2017 Joss Whedon's uh, Justice League, <laughs> unfortunately. <Me too. laughs> um, and we'll see. We'll see what I think of this. Uh, I'm debating right. whether or not I should rewatch Batman v Superman, because it is the official first movie in this canon. <laughs> Are we gonna um, cannonball like fifteen hours of content again? Because <laughs> I mean, I'll do it. I'm just not gonna be happy about it. Right. <laughs> you don't like, have to, but I'm definitely going to. <laughs> That's gonna be the name of my autobiography. I don't <laughs> have to, but I want to. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks for you. Thanks for joining us. I hope you guys continue to interact with us on social media. I hope you guys continue to, you know, review us on apple Podcasts. uh tell other people about the show and we hope you guys join us next week when we talk justice league 2021 all right later y'all